Chapter twenty two of the Arabian Nights Entertainments. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nathan at antipodeanwriter.wordpress.com. The Arabian Nights Entertainments by Andrew Lang. Chapter twenty two. The Seventh and Last Voyage. After my sixth voyage I was quite determined that I would go to sea no more. I was now of an age to appreciate a quiet life, and I had run risks enough. I only wished to end my days in peace. One day, however, when I was entertaining a number of my friends, I was told that an officer of the Caliph wished to speak to me, and when he was admitted he bade me follow him into the presence of Harun al-Rashid, which I accordingly did. After I had saluted him, the Caliph said, I have sent for you, Sinbad, because I need your services. I have chosen you to bear a letter and a gift to the king of Serendib in return for his message of friendship. The caliph's commandment fell upon me like a thunderbolt. Commander of the faithful, I answered, I am ready to do all that your majesty commands, but I humbly pray you to remember that I am utterly disheartened by the unheard-of sufferings I have undergone. Indeed, I have made a vow never again to leave Baghdad. With this I gave him a long account of some of my strangest adventures, to which he listened patiently. I admit, said he, that you have indeed had some extraordinary experiences, but I do not see why they should hinder you from doing as I wish. You have only to go straight to Serendib and give my message, then you are free to come back and do as you will. But go you must, my honour and dignity demand it. Seeing that there was no help for it, I declared myself willing to obey, and the caliph, delighted at having got his own way, gave me a thousand sequins for the expenses of the voyage. I was soon ready to start, and taking the letter and the present I embarked at Balsora, and sailed quickly and safely to Serendib. Here, when I had disclosed my errand, I was well received, and brought into the presence of the king, who greeted me with joy. Welcome, Sinbad, he cried. I have thought of you often, and rejoiced to see you once more. After thanking him for the honour that he did me, I displayed the caliph's gifts. First a bed with complete hangings, all cloth of gold, which cost a thousand sequins, and another like to it of crimson stuff fifty robes of rich embroidery, a hundred of the finest white linen from Cairo, Suez, Kufa, and Alexandria, then more beds of different fashion, and an agate vase carved with the figure of a man aiming an arrow at a lion, and finally a costly table, which had once belonged to King Solomon. The king of Serendib received with satisfaction the assurance of the caliph's friendliness toward him, and now my task being accomplished, I was anxious to depart, but it was some time before the king would think of letting me go. At last, however, he dismissed me with many presents, and I lost no time in going on board a ship, which sailed at once, and for four days all went well. On the fifth day we had the misfortune to fall in with pirates, who seized our vessel, killing all who resisted, and making prisoners of those who were prudent enough to submit at once of whom I was one. When they had despoiled us of all we possessed, they forced us to put on vile raiment, and sailing to a distant island, there sold us for slaves. I fell into the hands of a rich merchant, who took me home with him, and clothed and fed me well, and after some days sent for me and questioned me as to what I could do. I answered that I was a rich merchant who had been captured by pirates, and therefore I knew no trade. Tell me, said he, can you shoot with a bow? 
I replied that this had been one of my pastimes of my youth, and that doubtless with practice my skill would come back to me. Upon this he provided me with a bow and arrows, and mounting me with him upon his own elephant, took the way to a vast forest which lay far from the town. When we had reached the wildest part of it, we stopped, and my master said to me, This forest swarms with elephants. Hide yourself in this great tree, and shoot at all that pass you. When you have succeeded in killing one, come and tell me. So saying, he gave me a supply of food, and returned to the town, and I perched myself high up in the tree, and kept watch. That night I saw nothing, but just after sunrise the next morning a large herd of elephants came crashing and trampling by. I lost no time in letting fly several arrows, and at last one of the great animals fell to the ground dead, and the others retreated, leaving me free to come down from my hiding place and run back to tell my master of my success, for which I was praised and regaled with good things. Then we bent back to the forest together and dug a mighty trench in which we buried the elephant I had killed, in order that when it became a skeleton my master might return and secure its tusks. For two months I hunted thus, and no day passed without my securing an elephant. Of course I did not always station myself in the same tree, but sometimes in one place, sometimes in another. One morning as I watched the coming of the elephants, I was surprised to see that, instead of passing the tree I was in, as they usually did, they paused, and completely surrounded it, trumpeting horribly, and shaking the very ground with their heavy tread, and when I saw that their eyes were fixed upon me, I was terrified, and my arrows dropped from my trembling hand. I had indeed good reason for my terror when, an instant later, the largest of the animals wound his trunk round the stem of my tree, and with one mighty effort tore it up by the roots, bringing me to the ground entangled in its branches. I thought now that my last hour was surely come, but the huge creature, picking me up gently enough, set me upon its back, where I clung more dead than alive, and followed by the whole herd, turned and crashed off into the dense forest. It seemed to me a long time before I was once more set upon my feet by the elephant, and I stood as if in a dream watching the herd, which turned and trampled off in another direction, and was soon hidden in the dense underwood. Then, recovering myself, I looked about me, and found that I was standing upon the side of a great hill, strewn, as far as I could see, on either hand with bones and tusks of elephants. This, then, must be the elephant's bearing place, I said to myself, and they must have brought me here that I might cease to persecute them, seeing that I want nothing but their tusks, and here lie more than I could carry away in a lifetime. Whereupon I turned and made for the city as fast as I could go, not seeing a single elephant by the way, which convinced me that they had retired deeper into the forest to leave the way open to the ivory hill, and I did not know how sufficiently to admire their sagacity. After a day and a night I reached my master's house and was received by him with joyful surprise. "'Ah, poor Sinbad!' he cried. "'I was wondering what could have become of you.' When I went to the forest, I found the tree newly uprooted and the arrows lying beside it, and I feared I should never see you again. Pray, tell me how you escaped death. I soon satisfied his curiosity, and the next day we went together to the ivory hill, and he was overjoyed to find that I had told him nothing but the truth. When we had loaded our elephant with as many tusks as it could carry and were on our way back to the city, he said, My brother, since I can no longer treat as a slave one who has enriched me thus, take your liberty and may heaven prosper you. I will no longer conceal from you that these wild elephants have killed numbers of our slaves every year. No matter what good advice we gave them, they were caught, sooner or later. You alone have escaped the wiles of these animals, therefore you must be under the special protection of heaven. Now through you the whole town will be enriched without further loss of life. 
therefore you shall not only receive your liberty but i will also bestow a fortune upon you to which i replied master i thank you and wish you all prosperity for myself i only ask liberty to return to my own country it is well he answered the monsoon will soon bring the ivory ships hither then i will send you on your way with somewhat to pay your passage so i stayed with him till the time of the monsoon and every day we added to our store of ivory till all his warehouses were overflowing with it by this time the other merchants knew the secret but there was enough and to spare for all when the ships at last arrived my master himself chose the one in which i was to sail and put on board for me a great store of choice provisions also ivory in abundance and all the costliest curiosities of the country for which i could not thank him enough and so we parted i left the ship at the first port we came to not feeling at ease upon the sea after all that had happened to me by reason of it and having disposed of my ivory for my gold and bought many rare and costly presents i loaded my pack animals and joined a caravan of merchants our journey was long and tedious but i bore it patiently reflecting that at least i had not to fear tempests nor pirates nor serpents nor any of the other perils from which i had suffered before and at length we reached baghdad my first care was to present myself before the caliph and give him an account of my embassy he assured me that my long absence had disquieted him much but he had nevertheless hoped for the best as to my adventure among the elephants he heard it with amazement declaring that he could not have believed it had not my truthfulness been well known to him by his orders this story and the others i have told him were written by his scribes in letters of gold and laid up among his treasures i took my leave of him well satisfied with the honours and rewards he bestowed upon me and since that time i have rested from my labours and given myself up wholly to my family and my friends thus sinbad ended the story of his seventh and last voyage and turning to hindbad he added well my friend and what do you think now have you ever heard of any one who has suffered more or had more narrow escapes than i have is it not just that i should now enjoy a life of ease and tranquillity hindbad drew near and kissing his hand respectfully replied sir you have indeed known fearful perils my troubles have been nothing compared to yours moreover the generous use you make of your wealth proves that you deserve it may you live long and happily in the enjoyment of it sinbad then gave him a hundred sequins and henceforward counted him among his friends also he caused him to give up his profession as a porter and to eat daily at his table that he might all his life remember sinbad the sailor End of chapter 22 Recording by Nathan at antipodeanwriter.wordpress.com